Let's get out to the Smart Rain special guest line. Let's continue the conversation talking a little bit about the Baylor Bears. Of course, uh, Smart Rain, Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows that 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of their Save Now, Pay Later promotion and uh, do your part by saving water while saving money. Check Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. Joining us now, he is uh, an analyst for the Baylor broadcast. He's J.J. Joe with us here on The Big Show. J.J., thank you very much for a few minutes. How are you? Hey, doing well, Jake. No problem at all. Glad to be on with you guys. Hey, really appreciate it. Uh, let's start off. Give us a little overview on this on this Baylor team. From where I'm sitting, it looks like they're going to be real tough for BYU. I think it's going to be a great game because, you know, I mean, Coach Grimes and Coach Mateos are from BYU there the last few years. And and I said in, uh, on, a, on the air in Waco today that I think it'll be like a, a spring game maybe because the both teams will know each other well even though they hadn't played. But, but Baylor's really, I think, surprised a little this year. Everybody knew they would have a pretty good defense. A lot of, a lot of young men back. I think it was 10 returning starters. Uh, Terrell Bernard really is the leader and the bell cow. Jalen Petrie as well. They're hybrid guys, uh, you know, BYU getting us nice size, but our backers are typically about 215, 205, depending. We run kind of a 3-3 defense, but they're, they're really fast, a uh, lot of experience. So defensively, you kind of expected Baylor to play pretty solid football, and they turned people over. The surprise has been offensively. Last year we really struggled up front, and that really thwarted anything we tried to do. Uh, Charlie, which you, everybody knows, transferred to Utah. Now I think he's entered the transfer portal again. Uh, really couldn't get anything going. The offense couldn't get anything going last year. But but this year with Coach Mateo and Coach Grimes coming in, the offensive line is blocking better. Uh, BYU folks will be very familiar with this offense because it probably looks just like theirs. And uh, they surprise on offense. Gary Bohan has done a great job. Well, yeah, tell us a little bit more about Bohannon. I mean, you look through his stats, and they all jump out to you, but particularly he's got 11 touchdowns and zero interceptions. I mean, he seems to be having a heck of a year. Yeah, you know, we weren't sure. I mean, to, to be frank, I mean, at first, when Charlie, Charlie, you know, transferred, that was surprising to most people here. Yeah. Uh, he was a, He's a legend here. And then we weren't sure who was going to be the starter. Jake, really, Jake, Jake Zeno really was the leader in the clubhouse because – of just a few things he had done. And Bohannon was there with him. And they had a, a good competition in the spring. And, and I remember going and watching the spring game. And uh, between Gary Bohannon and Jacob Zeno, who's now, he's entered the tr- transfer portal. And Blake Shapin, who's a fantastic, you know, young, young prospect. Uh, Gary just looked the most comfortable. And this year what he's done, he's been judicious with the ball. And I think that fits uh, any coach's style, but especially Coach Aranda. He's a defensive minded coach he wants a quarterback that's going to be calm that's going to protect the ball and gary is is really judicious with the ball he, he doesn't put it at risk and it sometimes it, it bugs people because he doesn't take a, he doesn't take chances like you'd want him to sometimes but but it's really worked out well because when you got a good defense like baylor has you just don't want to give you don't want to give teams a short field if you don't have to you mentioned Charlie Brewer. Uh, are you surprised it didn't work out at Utah? I don't know how much you got a chance to watch him in the the brief, you know, his brief stint there. But uh, you you mentioned how good he was at Baylor. Uh, are you surprised it didn't work out better at Utah? Yeah, I kind of am. Um, you know, I mean, you know, Charlie. You know, Charlie is a, a fantastic quarterback, a college quarterback. Uh, is will is he be a next level guy? Uh, you know, maybe in Canada. I don't see Charlie being a next level guy, but that doesn't mean anything. 
Uh, he he's always defied the odds. But it was surprising because Utah had so much coming back that a veteran offense. I know they went through spring practice. He did really well in the spring, and I just think he needed a few more a few more weeks. I think Charlie Charlie's Charlie's gift is that when things get harried, uh, he stays pretty calm and he makes plays. Uh, and I, I'm just not sure I didn't get to watch as many Utah Utah football games, but uh, I think that the transition was a little bit more than he expected, and me as well. And I'm surprised it didn't work out because I thought he would be a key cog to help them compete in that conference. And I, I, I hate it for him, but, you know, I mean, we'll see what's next. So getting back to uh, to Coach Grimes here for a second, uh, you know, you, you mentioned the way that he's coached the offense, and, and he absolutely has left a legacy at, at BYU with the offensive line and the, and the toughness. I'm guessing he's been pretty well-received. Why do you think he's been a good fit so far? Well, you know, I, I think really last year the issue um, – uh, let me put it this way first. I think bring Coach Grimes making sure that he could get Coach Mateos was important. That was important. Last year in Coach Aranda's scheme, despite all the COVID stuff, we know that was tough for everyone. Um, the, the the staff, I think, was a little bit, um, um, I guess you could say, just kind of, I'm not going to say thrown together, but it was like a patchwork in a sense because Coach Fedora, I knew Coach Fedora well. He was at North Carolina, Southern Miss, did a really good job at those two places. And I was surprised when he got here that the offense didn't click as much. Um, but, but I think, you know, you know, he brought an offensive line coach that he, they, they had worked together for a while, but it just, the, the offensive line play just left a lot to be desired. They missed basic stunts. They weren't coordinated. I just think personalities didn't mix too. So, so when you have coach Grimes come in with coach Mateos, they, they know what they want to do. They know what it looks like. They're coordinated. They're together. They're coaching the other coaches. And I think that has been a breath of fresh air for this offense. And then I can't forget, or I so can't, you know, kind of go without saying that they got a couple good transfers. Uh, they got Jacob Gall, who plays cin- uh, center uh, from Buffalo. He's a senior. And they got Grant Miller at right guard. He's transferring from Vanderbilt. Those two gentlemen have come in. They started. Uh, and the re- that's allowed Coach kind of, I think, to put the, the rotation in the right way and allow guys who probably should have been backups be backups. And that allows them to be the most effective. So those two work well together. So you look at the wins for Baylor, and, man, they are putting up a lot of points. 29, 66, uh, 45 against Kansas, 31 against Iowa State, uh, 45 against West Virginia, just blowing out the Mountaineers, 45 to 20. But then you look at the Oklahoma State game, who, who granted, is a very good team, Oklahoma State. But uh, Baylor managed 24, or excuse me, 14 points in that game. What was the difference there? What did the Cowboys do that was so effective? Well, the first thing is, I don't know if you've been to Stillwater. You'll get to go. You'll get a, you guys will get a chance to go to Stillwater yeah. when you get to this conference. It is a tough place to play. I, I can't expri- describe it. It's two places that I think are really tough uh, to play, and you'll be surprised by them probably. It's Lubbock hmm. and Stillwater. And, of course, Morgantown. Morgantown is tough as right. well. But, but it's just we've never played well there. We've won maybe once or maybe twice since I've been calling the last 15 years. And they play well. They usually have a good sound team. But in that game, uh, Coach Knowles did a great job of scheming against us. I think it was the first time in a while that Coach Grimes and Coach Mattel saw how a Big 12 defense will attack that offense. Uh, Kansas really, you know, Kansas was overmatched. 
Iowa State probably plays very similar on defense, maybe to BYU. They, they like to, to, to read it a little bit more than attack you. And Oklahoma State kind of showed, I think, the other teams what to do. But I think it also showed Coach Mattel and Coach Grimes, hey, look, this is how the Big 12 defenses are built. This is how they're going to attack us. And I think you saw that in the West Virginia game because West Virginia is very similar defensively to Oklahoma State. And they responded, came up with a great plan. They activated Gary, said, hey, look, you need to go out and make some plays for us. We're going to put the ball in your hands. And it worked out. It worked out well. So you, you mentioned uh, conference realignment, and I want to get your thoughts on on uh, BYU and their fit in the league going forward and all those things. But first, I want to ask you, what's it been like covering this conference over the past couple of months as all this has just happened, almost seemingly at the beginning, out of the blue? So what's it been like covering this league as this change is happening? Oh, man, it's wild. You know, <laughs> you know but, but, but I, I've been around. I played for Baylor, so, I, you know, I was – I was there when the Southwest Conference, you know, was about to, to disband. I was I was here when the Big 12 went through that first round of kind of what you would say a realignment. So while it was shocking or surprising, it was I mean, while it was surprising, it was not shocking because I thought eventually something had to happen. Um, and but I never thought Texas and OU would go to the SEC. I just thought that would be they would want to stay away from that. Uh, but I mean. I, I really think that, you know, you know, despite all the noise, I think for the Big 12, this is about as good of an outcome as you can have. You just don't replace an OU in Texas. I mean, it's just impossible. Those are two large state schools with storied histories. And BYU has a great history as well. But it's hard to replace those, two of the largest I mean, athletic budgets um, in the country. So – it's been wild, uh, a lot of, you know, bad blood. So they'll go to a lot of stadiums and hear a lot. But uh, but I think, you know, having I – I always wondered, and this is the last thing I'll say about it really is, I always wondered why what took us so long to go get BYU. I really did. Um, I know you have all the stuff about scheduling on Sundays and all that stuff. and But I just thought, you know, the Big 12 at 10 schools never made sense, and I thought BYU would have been an excellent fit if we went and got somebody else out there that could be a traveling partner. And I'm glad it finally happened. I just hate it had to happen when we're losing to, you know, large programs like uh, Texas and OU. Well, I'll tell you what, JJ, folks around here, as you can imagine, are really excited about it. And, you know, I've, I've been uh, covering BYU for a long time and, and talking about them on the radio for, for a long time. And I'm on record saying I didn't like independence the, for, for BYU as an observer. I, uh, the, the conference race adds, adds such an intrigue. And, but BYU fans would, would talk all the time about, say, well, hold out because the Big 12 is out there and that's a great fit as opposed to going back to the Mountain West Conference. And now that it's it's actually happening. Fans around here are, are extraordinarily excited because I think they think, and, and I would agree here, I think BYU is a good fit for the Big 12 with the universities that are, that are there and the, the style of football that is played. I think it, it can be a very happy uh, partnership going forward. Hey, I, I agree. I mean, I, I'm, I'm right there with you, Jake. Like I said, I, I always thought when BYU was sitting out there as an independent, I was kind of thinking, you know, we'll get we'll get back to twelve, and they'd be one of them. Uh, so I think it'll be a great fit. It'll be great to go out to Provo, Utah, and see that landscape. I haven't been since going to Logan, Utah, way back when I was a player. So it's been a long time ago. Well, Logan is still cold. If you were wondering, it's it's <laughs> it's still quite cold in in Logan. But but you make a great point about well, you you know, you say wait till till we get a chance to see you know Stillwater and these great Big Twelve uh, cities and venues. You know the 
the atmosphere in Provo is going to fit right in. And, J.J., when you get out to see it, I mean, you're talking 60-plus thousand fans packing that venue with a just absolutely gorgeous backdrop, you know, and the tradition of, of BYU is comparable with a lot of the traditions there in the Big 12. And it, it'll be a big-time environment. You'll like it. I, I'll enjoy it. I'm looking forward to it. Trust me. So does that add a little extra juice to the game tomorrow that uh, BYU is kind of a future league member? Does that add a little extra intrigue? I think maybe more so for, for fans and, you know, kind of maybe, you know, maybe administrators. And, and I think of the coaches. I think between Coach Mattel and Coach Grimes, and I know the staff there at BYU, uh, I, I know they don't want to lose to each other. They, they want bragging rights, right? So. But I think for the players, I think for Baylor's players, it's kind of like most of them are probably thinking, well, we're not sure if we're going to ever get a chance to play BYU. Um, you know, and uh, I think they're looking at it from the standpoint, at least the feel I get is like, hey, they're a top, they're a top team. You know, that, that, aber- that was an aberration at Boise State, we think. So we got a top team coming in here. I think they're more excited about that part of it than anything that BYU in their mind is still a top 10, top 12 team. And they have a chance to compete against them and see where they stand. So, so I think that's where their focus is. Uh, are you a basketball guy at all, JJ? You follow? Uh, I am. Uh, I, I very much am. Uh, we we are the home of the Utah Jazz, and uh, the the fans around here after this preseason are pretty excited about a young guard named Jared Butler. Yeah, you guys got a great one out there, man. I think they, they got a steal. You got him in the second round. That that I'm gonna tell you. That's a steal to get oh, Jared Butler in the second round. There, and then uh, you also have, I think, and I'm not sure. I don't know if he if, if he'll get waived or. But Maceo Teague was also there too. Is that the right team? Yes, he he did. He got waived yesterday. Unfortunately, we'll okay. see if he comes back. He may come back with the G League affiliate G-League, here in, yeah, hopefully in Salt so. Lake. Yeah, but I know they yeah, like. I, I like Maceo too. Maceo's a hard worker. I, I think he's a guy that also can be an NBA guy. He may need to, you know, go to the G League and and kind of do some things for a year or two. But Jared Butler, to me, is a steal. And he will he will find, even on that very competitive, very good Utah team, I really think he'll find some playing time. I'm not saying he'll be a key call or the top eight in the rotation, but he's going to find a way in an 82-game season to add value. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to follow the Jazz. I'm a Mavs fan. I'm going to follow the Jazz just because you, you guys have – have my man Butler on that on that team. There you go. Well, well, I'll tell you this, Jared, from the or uh, JJ from the people I I talked to, they had him graded in the first round, and not back part of the first round, but in the first round. And there were some pretty excited folks in that front office that they were able to get him where they did. So yeah, I, I was surprised. I, you know, he yeah he had you know he had something going on. I wasn't sure what it was. But they didn't clear him. But uh, I thought that was a good landing spot to him. I think also, I'm not sure if it is Lindsay there. Is who, who, there's he, a Baylor tie there. At least there was. Yes, yes. Big front office ties with, with Baylor. Yeah. He, uh, it, yeah, Dennis definitely is still a part of the front office. They kind of rearranged it. Uh, in gotcha. the off season, but uh, but then it's still very much a part of it. So not a surprise. There's a couple of Baylor Bears. Royce O'Neal's in the starting lineup. So there's that's right. Royce, yeah. I keep forgetting. How can I forget that? Yeah, you got you guys have a pipeline. That's a good thing. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, hey JJ, uh, absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you very much for for a little preview. And hey, tomorrow's game should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. Should be. Thanks for having me. Take Thank care. you. You too. There you go, JJ Joe. Great stuff from JJ. That was great. Uh, analyst for the Baylor Bears giving us a little preview 